1: And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I am Kevin. He is Scott. We are here to preview a day late, but uh I don't know, not a dollar short, fifty cents short here to preview the Rutgers game coming up this weekend, our first noon game of the season, which is interesting because of the season that we've had. You'd think uh, you know, TV networks love throwing the bad teams on at noon on ESPN two. But uh, here we are. First noon game. First of all, before we get into anything else, and we got an interesting question to kick this thing off too. But before we get to that, Scott, what are your thoughts on noon games? This has been contentious in our group chat for ages. Um, What are your noon game thoughts? So
0: in college, I kind of hated them because like college and, you know, Friday nights, most of us college students indulged. And then you're getting up the butt crack of dawn. I mean, our tailgate started at 7 a.m. usually five hours before kickoff. Yeah. And I wouldn't exactly say you had to be like totally ready for the day. I mean, we were crawling into the tailgates, but uh, you at least had to get out of bed and get something greasy in your stomach and
1: like get right back after it. So it was a, it was a wake up. Conrads, and then coffee with some whiskey in it, or something. And did just you ever try do to... the
0: uh the McDonald's breakfast before the noon game? And did you, that line? If you ever want to see a McDonald's line, go get McDonald's breakfast in East Lansing at like eight a.m. on the morning of a noon game. It's incredible um, Yeah, so that like started me off on my fandom with Michigan State, like with a bad taste in my mouth for noon games. Um now I just kind of hate them cuz they're in the middle of my Saturday like you 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 spend noon to 4 just peak Saturday afternoon time like watching football which I don't hate but some folks in my household aren't huge fans of which <laughs> rubs off if you know what I mean um so yeah I mean I, I don't know they're okay not my favorite time slot. I know you like them more than the night game, and that's usually where the conversation comes up after we have acknowledged that the 3:30 or 4 o'clock time slot is the
1: paramount college football. That's time just slot. a fact. That's not an opinion, that's a fact. Um, I will say, so my for those who don't know, the, the disclaimer, I don't live in the United States anymore, I live in Amsterdam, and the the six-hour time difference. I really appreciate a noon game from time to time because it doesn't completely screw up my sleep schedule for the the coming week. but um, even like even when I'm back home, there is something I like about the noon time slate. and the the reason is because it's just kind of a a little wrench in the system. you know, it just kind of throws everything off a little bit, which I always appreciate from time to time like a a little wake up 8 a.m. beers at this age, which is a very rare occurrence, right? But when you have three noon games a year, you know, and so three times a year you wake up, have some early beers with your eggs, you know, it's like you still kind of get that college vibe every once in a while in our old age, which I always appreciate. Um, obviously nowadays i don't get to uh experience that quite as often but it is uh i like the novelty of it i guess
0: what's your go-to eggs how do you prepare your especially
1: for like a noon game like you get a football game that day what kind of i'm a sunny side up guy but you know if if we're going with a little breakfast burrito you know you you go buy some tortilla shells you you get a little scrambled eggs in the breakfast burrito that's always a good move but Normally, if I'm just going like eggs, bacon and toast, we're going sunny side up. I can't stand eggs. That doesn't mean I
0: don't eat them because like you can't really have breakfast without them in most contexts. But I've always hated eggs. I hate their stupid, fluffy texture. (laughs) I hate their stupid, rubbery taste. It's just they're just not food. It's not right. (laughs) What do you have against eggs, dude? i just told you the texture is weird the taste is nothing the smell is i don't know you know what i really hate about them is that unless you have like a great non-stick pan or you're a much better chef than me dude i hate cleaning egg pans it is so irritating i'm like i could make toast and put my toaster right back away and i'd be done with breakfast or i can scrub this pan for 30 minutes (laughs)
1: This is amazing. I've 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 known you for what a decade now, and I've never heard your your egg hatred. We live together. I, I don't remember them. the. Uh... <laughs> I'm not the type who just goes with straight
0: like cuts of meat for breakfast. You know, like chicken and waffles, or like uh, what's this country fried steak, or however they make steak. Like I don't know in at Waffle House. Uh, so I I I have eggs because otherwise I just feel like I'm loading up on carbs, which isn't a terrible way to start the day, but you know doctor doesn't love it uh yeah so eggs they trickle into my existence i usually i like breakfast burritos and stuff i like to mix them in breakfast sandwiches because once you mix eggs with something else it just gets lost in there you don't really realize it's there but just straight up eggs man that's just it's a sad existence
1: so on that note um noon game coming up get your eggs ready get your coffee ready Get your uh, Irish coffees, and uh, are you are you more of a, if you do the Irish coffee? The, we'll we'll get to football in a second, I promise. The last uh, this is just the last.
0: A, this is just a morning <laughs> drinking podcast. Now, if
1: you're going with booze, coffee mix, are yeah. you going more for like a, a coffee and Jameson or a coffee and Bailey's? Coffee and Bailey's, yeah, hundred percent of the time. The the coffee and Jameson, I've done it. Uh, like a few times it's it's decent it just feels aggressive it like really first... sparks your system it's like yeah <laughs> yeah the the baileys and coffee is is at least the kind of it it's the primer it kind of warming up the system like okay i can taste a little bit of booze in there but you know it's it's the first thing to get me started the jameson and coffee the bitterness of the coffee with the that kind of kick to the j it is a really It'll wake you up for sure. Yeah. That'll, that'll shock the system.
0: Coffee and Bailey's, it like nicely eases you into a morning of drinking or whatever your activities are. Coffee and, and Jameson just like punches you in the face. Yeah. It's like you're up now. And it's not always the vibe. My ideal like morning would be, <laughs> excuse me, still got that cough. Coffee and Bailey's to start like morning coffee, just some Bailey's as your creamer. I don't usually drink creamer so it's even like a treat in that respect and then like a bloody mary with breakfast and then into the beer. So by the time you get to the beer you're already kind of at that like maintenance level and then you just kick the beers for the rest of time till the end of the day till you got to
1: <laughs> go into the game. Bloody mary it's still something I've I've been trying to like train myself to like them because I I love the idea of the bloody mary and I love each individual ingredient of a Bloody Mary. I'm Polish. I lived in Poland for four years. I, I love vodka. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I just can't. Every time I try one, I can't get into it, and I'm always thinking like, "This is going to be the one. This is going to be the one. I'm going to love Bloody Marys." Now
0: you're uh, I can't do it. Your your version of a Bloody Mary is just a glass of vodka with a cherry <laughs> tomato in
1: it. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> I I will say, ha, being somewhat of a connoisseur myself. Uh, it is very hit or miss. Like I've had bloody Mary mixes that are incredible and I have had bloody Mary mixes that are incredibly disgusting. Uh, if you're in Michigan, mid Michigan, Dr. Strangelove is made in mid Michigan and is probably still the best bloody Mary mix I've ever had. Uh, so if you uh, are around East Lansing, you may be able to find it on some retail shelves around there. If you're a bloody Mary fan or trying to get into it, try that a little Worcestershire sauce, Little uh, whatever you want. Any pickled vegetables, pickles, cheese, sausage, pr- basically just load your breakfast right into the drink. That's yeah. the best part of it, right? You're having a meal while you're drinking, which is just I know I, I've seen I, just I really sliders like straight them. up on a skewer in the Bloody Mary. Just a, like two sliders
1: on a skewer. You could do so much. I'll do that next time I'm back home. The Dr. Strange love. Uh, that'll be my last test. And if I don't like that one, then I'll just give up forever. That's the but... best
0: I've found. So yeah, if you don't like that one, you can dress it up a little bit too. Some Tabasco or something if you like a kick. A uh, little pickle juice in there can sometimes make it you know, a little salty, a little acidic.
1: Love it. So noon we probably game. probably talk about football now. Noon game. Everybody's got their drinks ready. We're ready to go. Uh, we wanted to start with before we get into the the actual Rutgers preview, um, we are finally getting into football now. I promise. Uh, our friend Jeffrey the Greek from uh, Eyes on Big he hit me with a DM, and actually, I will just read this verbatim. And the, when I read it at first, I will tell you that I <laughs> I just wanted to slap him. I was like, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard." The more you think about it the more that there was kind of an interesting conversation here to be had. So he had messaged me. Uh, where is this? If you go, if you as Michigan State, if you, he's not a Michigan State guy, if you go six and six, make a bowl, win the bowl game to finish seven and six, is that secretly a better coaching job than what Mel did last year? He said, he also added, like, I don't really believe in that, but the conversation isn't outlandish. And Jeffrey the Greek, we've mentioned, he's from the Eyes on Big podcast, which, if you're looking for a nice little college football podcast, is a good one. So, Scott, what are your initial thoughts there? What are your, I've thought about it for a little while, and now I have different thoughts. What do you think? So, I
0: have an initial thought. I have like, I, I give my credence to the question and then I have my final thought. Um, initial thought is like, no, 11 win season is a much better coaching job than a seven win season. But doing my due diligence, let this question sit, let it percolate a little bit. I'm going to try to make the argument for the other side. So this season we did not have a transcendent superhuman alien running back that makes a big difference uh especially because a running back more than the passing game can be like impacted so much by one guy i know you need the offensive line but like passing you need a good offensive line a good quarterback and good receivers running you just need like kenneth walker and the rest is just like bonus but um We didn't have that. Uh, We had a tougher schedule. Um, We lost some key pieces, especially the offensive line, and we got off to a royally bad start. So to climb back out would be a huge undertaking and a great turnaround. Um, So that's my, like, middle thought, but we've had this question on our radar for a few days now, and I've come back around to to the answer being no. And what did it for me was taking me back to last off season of 2021, going into that year and coming off a two and five season, bringing in a trillion transfers and turning it into an 11 win season. Um, with hindsight, we see that team as a good team. We're like, yeah, it turned out to be a really good team, a really exciting year, <laughs> some magic mixed in. But in reality, that was no guarantee. Right when we were looking at that that team prior to last season, we had no idea what to expect, and it took a ton, and it took a ton of in season magic too, which comes down to putting the right guys in the right places at the right times. That's all coaching. This season. If you take yourself out of the moment and you look at this season as a whole, it hasn't played out that different from what a lot of folks were expecting. It's just that in the worst part of the season, it felt so awful. And we've had some specific things, namely what happened in Ann Arbor, that made it feel even worse. But when you go back to the preseason, a lot of people were predicting seven or eight wins, seven to nine wins. Right now we're still looking at 6 to, hesitant to 8 <laughs> 6 to 7 wins. It's not like this season is not dramatically worse right now than what a lot of folks would have expected it to be. So in that respect, I don't I don't necessarily think there's much happening in this season that was off script. It's just that we finally turned the corner on the terrible terrible part of our schedule and we've gotten back into some greener pastures.
1: Yeah, I what it comes down to for me is a pretty simple, not a simple question, but it boils down to one question, which is what as a coach, what is more difficult: getting off to a good start, sustaining that throughout an entire season, to what you know, ten win regular season, eleven win postseason, or digging yourself out of a hole right and it's like you kind of you know to play devil's advocate on both sides if you think 2022 is the more impressive record because or the the more impressive coaching job again this is hypothetically if we win out basically or if we win the next two games lose to penn state and win a bowl game and finish with seven wins um To play devil's advocate on this season, well, we still dug ourselves that hole, right? Like it's, it's really impressive to get out of it, but you have to acknowledge that we got ourselves into it in the first place, right? You can't just give the guy all the credit for digging out of a hole that he kind of dug himself into. If you're going to say that, you know, they were both a part of Mel Tucker's responsibility, which as the head coach. You kind of bear that um, that burden, especially with that contract. So then if you think last year is the more impressive coaching job, uh, okay, great. You won 11 games. You did the whole thing. But how much of that was a result of a guy who is likely headed to being the offensive rookie of the year in the NFL, and national people are talking about him as, this guy's a top five running back in the NFL today. <laughs> like Kenneth Walker was ridiculous, and how many games do we lose last year without him? You know, you start thinking about that side. So again, you know, just like you, to kind of bring all of that that thinking in in my head into the final conclusion is basically yeah, but 11 more wins is still a lot more than seven wins. You know what I mean? And it's, I know the schedule is more difficult this year and you had a little bit more adversity to deal with this year in terms of the injuries and the suspensions because of the Michigan thing. I, You know, there are a lot more things working against us this year than we had last year. But in a season where you are playing 12 to 13 games, Four wins is a pretty darn big difference. And I just can't really get past that. So I, I think, you know, even if we win out, then maybe it's a different conversation. Cause then you're talking about beating Penn State in Happy Valley, you know, like that, that adds another wrinkle. But winning the next two games and then beating another mediocre six and six football team in a bowl game to kind of keep the program momentum afloat you're not really doing anything at that point to improve it. You're not really doing anything to crush it. You're just kind of keeping it steady. And that's an, a hell of an impressive job. But we won 11 games last year with, there was one superstar, but as a whole, it wasn't a, an especially super talented team, right? So we still got to, to lean towards 2021, in my opinion. And one thing that I think gets
0: glossed over Yes, Kenneth Walker made a huge difference, but also Mel Tucker gets credit for Kenneth Walker. Like, just because Kenneth Walker was like the Joker, the wild card of the season nationally, basically, that doesn't mean Mel Tucker that does that still paints Mel Tucker in a good light. He still went out and found a nobody running back from a bottom of the barrel power five school, brought him in and turned him into what should have been a Heisman finalist. And I know know a lot of that was Kenneth Walker. He was primed for that, but someone had to light the fuse and Mel Tucker was the one to do that. So he still gets that credit. That's still part of the
1: coaching job that he did. A hundred percent. And it's funny to look back at it too, because there were certain guys. I remember there were, there were a few like offensive linemen that we went after that we didn't get. And it turned out that like, damn, like everybody in the country was after this kid, you know, and there, there were some targets that we did. Kenneth Walker just kind of committed to Michigan State, didn't really hear that there was this big battle between we were recruiting him heavy against Oklahoma or, you know, another kind of blue blood that he had to really... Pre- this was a, a Mel Tucker evaluation job more than anything, and, and the funniest thing is looking back at... Remember that comment after Northwestern, week one, where... Kenneth Walker there was like a, a, a Twitter video that the football program put out it was like the post game speech or whatever and uh, uh, Kenneth Walker was like yeah I just want to thank you know coach Tucker I, I want to thank you for for taking a chance on me and bringing me into East Lansing and and Mel Tucker was like laughing he's like take a chance on you like what no, no no thank you for taking a chance on us and he you could tell the way he said it that mel tucker from day 1 was so sure that kenneth walker was just a total stud and was so gracious that he gave michigan state a chance kenneth walker wasn't getting recruited by every school in the country like he was an, an outstanding evaluation job by by mel tucker and it, and it gives me faith moving forward in his ability to identify recruits coming out of high school and and people out of the portal and everything. So, yeah, we, we definitely have to take that into consideration. It wasn't just a gift wrapped box. It was it was something that he got through his talent and through his um, his hard work as an evaluator.
0: And to last note to give credit where credit's due that takes more than one guy mel tucker was not the guy who kind right. Kenneth walker's tape he has explained i don't remember where but i remember hearing it that his team brought him the tape and said you got to see this guy and he saw like two clips like two snaps and he's like yep offer him like yeah. i don't need to see anymore <laughs> do it so which makes sense in hindsight <laughs> head coach gets the glory when it's good head coach gets you know the flack when it's bad so uh we'll we'll still lump it into to mel tucker and his pros and cons but there is certainly a team behind that process
1: yeah so uh we will get you i i don't have it in front of me right now actually I'll, I'll try to pull that up here by the end of uh um the next little while here i don't have the live odds from DraftKings on the michigan state game as of this morning i can tell you it was michigan state minus nine and a half Nine and a half point favorites over Rutgers. But uh, we'll we'll double check that and get you the right number by DraftKings, uh, one of our partners, our, our very good friends here. And you can play, make every game, every play feel exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They're unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. And in addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up, same game parlays. Um, You can look at, you know, this guy scoring a touchdown plus this team uh, covering the spread, right? Make things even sweeter. Throw down on stepped up, same game parlays once per game day, all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member, to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So let's get into this Rutgers game a little bit here. Um, It is Rutgers, all right? So it it was, for me, doing the research today, I kind of had an idea of what I thought Rutgers was and what I kind of knew them to be. I haven't watched a ton of Rutgers games live this year. They haven't played in a ton of games worth paying attention to on on any given Saturday. But uh, as you start watching them here, going into the podcast, you start looking at the stats. They kind of are who you think they are. Uh, You know, we'll we'll try to save you a bit of time uh, and and just tell you that, that Rutgers that you're picturing in your head it's pretty similar to that Rutgers, right? So, I I mean, Scott, when you start looking at this, is there a side of the ball? Is there a player? Is there a matchup that stands out to you here? Is it, um, I mean, is it Gavin Wimsett? Like where are we going when we start looking at Rutgers for this game? Um, well, what sticks out to me, not as a good matchup, but
0: just what sticks out to me is Rutgers offense. Uh, or lack of um, we'll get to their defense. Cause it's worth talking about their offense. Barely is um, they've used three different quarterbacks this year. The one we expect to face is Gavin Wimsat. Um, none of their quarterbacks have thrown over 60% this year. None of them have over 5.2 adjusted yards per attempt. None of them have a passer rating over 110 None of them have more touchdowns than interceptions. <laughs> to isolate Gavin Wimsat, he's throwing 44% this year with 5.1 yards per attempt, but when you adjust that for sack yards, uh, or no, for interceptions, excuse me, adjusted yards per attempt goes down to 1.8. He has two touchdowns and six interceptions this year. So when you look at quarterbacks throwing, and that's not the only aspect of a quarterback, but it's typically the first one you look at. I am very thankful for this game with our defense. Um, And we had a good game against Illinois against another (laughs) quarterback and Danny DeVito. I have to say it again. Uh, (laughs) Tommy DeVito, who wasn't built to, to torch us. Um, Well, if Tommy DeVito wasn't built to torch us, then Gavin Wimsett doesn't know how to light a match. Uh, It's. It's just not a game you have to worry about getting crushed through the air. It's going to be one in the trenches on the defense. If we're going to lose this game, it's because we're going to struggle with them on the ground. I do not expect them to beat us through the air. Not to say they won't get any success there. This is MSU's secondary. But with the improvements we've seen the last couple games out of MSU's defense and just the tape that's out there for Gavin Wimsatt in this Rutgers passing game, that is not scary to me at all. I don't know if you feel the same way before we get into the running game.
1: Yeah, like think about how kind of frustrating the Michigan State passing game has been this year. You know, you think about there's there should be a lot better performance and we've just been shit in the bed every game and we can't get this passing game off the ground. We're averaging 233 yards through the air. It's like right in the middle of the pack nationwide. 62nd to compare Rutgers right now is 124th. They have 143 passing yards per game in the year of our Lord 2022 in college football. That is bad. That's just horrendous. That is third a better comparison point, a, a more shocking comparison point. They are averaging 20 less passing yards per game than Iowa. I'll just say that one more time for anybody listening. Rutgers is averaging 20 fewer, to be more grammatically correct, passing yards per game than Iowa this year. So, yes, I 100% agree. Offensively, the passing game is not worry me. And the good thing when we're, we're looking kind of matchup-wise with us, most likely all of our suspended players are still going to be suspended. Let's just, you know, we don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. We're waiting for the legal process to work itself out, yada, yada, yada. I'm just going to go off of the assumption that those guys are not available, which means that on the defensive line, it's going to look a lot like it did last week where we're just rotating in like six different defensive tackles across the whole line, which for a team that's not going to kill you in the passing game, and you don't really have to worry about a pass rush so much as, you know guys filling gaps in the run game i like our chances there to be able to kind of skate by another week with all of these all of these injuries and suspensions on the defensive side of the ball it's it's a good week to be missing a bunch of guys on that side if you're going to be missing a bunch of guys on that side so i like our matchup there wimset he can run he's athletic Uh, you know, you'll see him maneuver the pocket a little bit. You'll see him get out on the edge, but it's not, it's, it's not something that you fear. We're going to lose the game because Gavin Wimsett's going to run for 150 yards, you know, so I'm not really too worried about it on that side. Uh, rushing wise for Rutgers. It's, it's not a whole lot better. Uh, they don't really have much of a threat. Their top running backs. Uh, you brought this up, right? Sam Brown is, is out for the year. Who was their starting running back? Yep. And then behind him, the next you know highest guys in terms of number of carries, Kyle Moningai, who is averaging three and a half yards a carry. Al Shadi Salam, who is barely averaging four yards a carry. It's not a run game that's really going to scare you a whole lot either. And then um, Johnny Langdon, who's a dual threat guy, running uh, and and catching the football, but uh, it, it's just an offense as a whole. It's that's not very good. It's it's in the bottom ten to twenty in the in the entire country, P five and G five included. It's not a good offense, and for a defense that again, like I mentioned, is missing eight guys who are suspended is missing a couple guys with injuries. It's not a bad week to have a bunch of guys out. So it's a good opportunity for some of those young guys who have been able to step in Ma'anao Teote last week. um, All of these guys in the secondary with Jaden Mangum and Dylan Tatum. And it's, it's a good week to get some of these guys reps because well, we're super thin. We need these guys to get reps and it's an offense that you're not really worried. Well, if this guy makes a mistake, then that's a 60 yard touchdown that flips the game. Like we should be okay with uh, freshmen making freshman mistakes from time to time. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the passing game, we already talked about the quarterbacks
0: and their statistics. Uh, if there is one skill position on this offense that is worth noting, um, they do have a couple of decent receivers. Uh Aaron Crookshank, who's been there for what feels like ages.
1: Uh yeah, he was at Wisconsin reasons. too, right? Was he? I think that's the right guy, <laughs> right? right? He's he's a big return yeah. threat as yep. well.
0: Uh so he's he's not huge. He's 5'10, 170, but he's uh he's talented, he's got good ball skills and and good speed. Sean Ryan uh is another is their other outside wide receiver. He's 6'3", 200. So he's uh, he's a load. He's transferred a couple times, came from Temple, then West Virginia, now at Rutgers. And uh, yeah, I mean, the stats won't blow you out of the water, but if you watch their film, uh, both of them are, are dynamic enough playmakers to, to give you a challenge if the ball gets to them properly. Um, So I I do expect, I mean, Greg Shiano's no slouch as a coach. I do expect them to get creative in ways to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly and into the playmaker's hands. But by and large, uh, especially if this defense of Michigan States continues to play at the level they have which is not elite it's not great i'd maybe hesitate to call it good but it's serviceable now um and against a team like rutgers a serviceable defense should be enough on that side of the ball so
1: if we turn the page here to the other side before we turn the page actually i want to highlight the best part of rutgers offense which we we haven't yet highlighted adam corsak the rutgers punter is you know, look, he, he gets a lot of attempts per game. So he he gets an opportunity to kind of get in a rhythm, you know, like shooters got to get into a rhythm sometimes. Uh, Adam Korsak. He's a I volume keep, punter. He's a volume punter. But he was a second team All-American last year. He was a Ray Guy finalist. I'm pretty sure he was first team All-Big Ten. So when we look at punting battles around the country, this has to be. The prime time for, for punting fanatics out there for the uh, Pat McAfee's of the world. This is the game in the country this year. (laughs) This is number one versus number two or number one versus number four. You know, this is a top five, top three type of matchup. This is prime time punting noon, big 10, Bryce Baringer, Adam Corsack. If you are a special teams guy, you're in heaven. All right, we're going to throw a quick uh,
0: trivia question out here for you, Kevin. So Adam Corsack has been at records for five years. Who has more yards?
1: Peyton Thorne passing. Oh, man. Or Adam Corsack punting. That would have to be Adam Corsack punting. Is that your final answer? Yes, yes.
0: Yeah, I was hoping you'd go the other way, but it's not even close. Well, uh,
1: he's he's got to get what probably seven attempts a game over his so career. Kevin Korsak <laughs> has
0: been the starting punter for five years at Rutgers. Oh uh, yeah, so he's, he's got listed a lot as a of senior for though. three years. He must have redshirted, which means he's got to be like twenty five or something. Uh he has had so he had the COVID year in there with nine games in twenty eighteen. He had played in twelve games, seventy eight punts. Twelve games, seventy-six punts in nineteen. Nine games, forty-eight punts. Thirteen games and twenty-one of seventy-two punts through nine games this year. He's at forty-eight punts for his career. He's averaging forty-four yards a punt. No slouch, and that's that's always weird because they're trying to pin him deep anyway. So those averages never really mean anything. But fourteen thousand one hundred and thirty-two punting yards in his career. Peyton Thorne's only at like five fifty-seven hundred passing yards. Uh not even close. Yeah. He is their MVP. Um, he against Bryce Berenger, we might just have to have a little like impromptu punt bowl. Um, maybe some prop
1: bet for Twitter around the punters going into this game. I think that, yeah, I think we can come up with something. It It is a battle as a special teams guy. There is a battle there. So uh, other side of the ball, uh, before, Uh, I interrupt you again. So other side of the ball, there is a stat that I uncovered right before we started recording. That is absolutely remarkable. The Rutgers defense. Okay. And I I try not to do too many stats on the podcast because I know it's hard. It's, it's not great audio. Uh, but this is one that I have to share. So opponent red zone scoring percentage. So when you are on defense, and your opponent gets into the red zone, how often do they score? Touchdowns or field goals? So you're on defense, the other team gets into the red zone, what percentage of times do they get points? Rutgers is dead last in the country. They are the only team in the country with a 100% opponent red zone scoring percentage. There has, through nine games, not been a single occurrence of an opponent getting into the red zone and not scoring points. That is amazing. That is truly amazing. No, you know, fluky red zone turnover. No guy fumbling through the back of the end zone. Nobody missing a chip shot field goal. Nothing. Not a single stop. It is amazing. Through a nine-game sample size, I have never seen anything like that.
0: So get to the red zone is the first key to our offense's game plan. If you get to the red zone, the seas will open up and you can walk right in for points. Exactly. Yeah, which is interesting because... On paper, this defense should be the strength of this Rutgers team. They've got a scrappy front. They've got a lot of speed and experience in the secondary. The Avery kid, I think he's a safety, another guy who feels like he's been in college football since I was born. Um, This defense is good enough to slow us down. Now, the question is (laughs) Are they good enough to disable us, or are they just good enough to slow us down? Um, I would be really frustrated if we struggled to, and this was a close game.
1: So there's a, there's a good thing on this matchup because we've talked about this with every Rutgers preview the last couple of years, the Greg Shiano Rutgers defense scheme wise is it's something that it's a little different. They throw a little kind of wrinkle in there with that like slanted nose right where they just really try to disrupt the line of scrimmage and you're blocking assignments and it has given us problems specifically with Michigan State it's given us problems for the last couple of years at times now with the continuity of the coaching staff this is the now the third time that we will have played Rutgers and so I hope now through two games of game film against them, we have a good feel of how to exploit that, what plays we can't really call as often, what plays are really going to exploit the, the way that they play defense. So I really hope that now that we've seen them a couple times, we can get a little better, better feel about what plays we can and can't call, but that is always a factor the Greg Schiano defense it's going to be salty it's going to be physical it's going to be scrappy and all of those kind of buzzwords that you usually use with like uh you know white defensive shooting guards it's it's a defense that's always going to be tough and they play that slanted nose that's always going to give you some weird problems but you just kind of hope that we've figured that out by now and that we have the talent with jaden reed and keon coleman on the outside to make a few plays downfield and and kind of uh open this game up a little bit for the offense
0: so do you expect the running game or the passing game to be more successful and more of a feature in this
1: one i i think i will still always kind of lean towards the passing game just because i i don't trust our rushing game at all i know we looked better last week i just it comes down to the offensive line for me I just don't think it's a good unit so if you're giving me what do you feel more confident about the offensive line and Jalen Berger or Peyton Thorne and these wide receivers with of course the offensive line factoring into both parts of it but the run game a little bit more than the pass I don't trust the rushing game so
0: and I think the strength of this Rutgers defense is their front line which could, like you said, impact either phase of the game, but with consistency, would you would think would impact the running game more than the passing game. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not too much to, to going after this defense. I, I think, I don't know if I said it before after we started recording, but I think if you just play mistake-free football against Rutgers, we finally have a game where we have a talent edge, and um, we should... I don't even know. It doesn't feel right to say we should have a comfortable win with this MSU. No, it does not. (laughs) It doesn't feel like a comfortable win is anything
1: short of a miracle. Um, Well, you did the we did the live DraftKings line reveal on the last podcast at the end where I didn't know what the line was. And I guessed that it would be something like six or seven. And when you told me it was it was ten. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that this Michigan state team was favored by 10 points over anybody. So, yeah, I, again, this, this MSU
0: team, I mean, you had Washington, Minnesota, Maryland, I can write off Ohio state and Michigan, those three games. We're tough but, but Washington 7 and 2 Minnesota's no slouch and in Maryland we were on the road and reeling at the time with some bad injuries and we played worse than we should have that was probably the worst loss we have this year but um by and large like this this team Minnesota team's not... was pretty bad <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well Minnesota the... <laughs> was a bad 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 game
0: the losing to Minnesota wasn't tough the way that we lost right. is what really hurt but by and large, this team isn't too far from what we thought it was. It may be a hair worse because really none of the question marks have panned out for this team. Um, but we've turned; it feels like we've turned a corner. We've, we've found a way to play on both sides of the ball that's complimentary and that's going to give us a chance in every game. And let me put it this way. If there was a game in this Big Ten schedule that felt comfortable, it would be this one. At home, you could make an argument for Indiana, but they always seem to play us a little bit tougher. Rutgers beat us two years ago in the woodshed, and I don't know how much that lingers in the fans' minds. It, it kind of had passed from mine, but I guarantee there is a feeling around the locker room in Mel Tucker's head and these players who were around in 2020, I guarantee that's still in their head that they lost to Rutgers in Mel Tucker's opener two years ago at home i know there were no
1: fans but still in the worst football game that i've ever seen
0: that we we try not to talk about it it's still a sore <laughs> so ugly. but uh yeah that's got to be a motivating factor as well um i just maybe it's because i haven't watched as much film for this game but I I'm starting to freak myself out and feeling like I'm too confident for this one because I haven't felt confident about this team since yeah. before the Washington game. But I do, I feel good about this game. Uh, I feel like if we don't implode, we'll come out with a win.
1: But it's just one of those. You, when you are the favorite in a game and the opposing team comes into it with a bad offense, there's just something about that aspect that doesn't really give you a whole lot of fear. Like if you're going against a bad team that has explosive play potential and you're starting to think like, "Oh man, if they just hit a couple of these deep shots, we could be in trouble." But when you're playing a, an underdog with a bad offense, you just you don't really see how it could really get out of hand for you. You know, like when we played what was it Western Kentucky last year, maybe is a good example a team that we should have beaten by a few scores. And we ended up beating them by as few scores, but going into it, you're a little nervous. Cause you're like, this team could put up 40 on us. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're looking at a, a 42 to 38 loss, you know, but Rutgers, the path to a Rutgers win, the path to a Rutgers upset is this game being like 18 to 12. You know, it, it has to be very low scoring. And I think that this Michigan state offense is very far away from being proven or elite or anything of that measure. But I, I don't really see a world where Rutgers holds us under 17, you know, it's, it's a salty defense. It's a physical defense, but it's not a a mega talented defense. I think we're going to score 17 at a minimum. And if our defense plays half as good as we did last week, I can't imagine a world where Rutgers is scoring 17 points. And that, again, that's not really a statement of, wow, our defense is playing so great. It's more of like, this offense is bad. So I'm with you, dude. I, I feel uncomfortable in how comfortable I feel about the result.
0: Yeah, um, there's not much else to it. I mean, it it would be great to get back on track with this win. We talked about it It before just to kind of zoom out and look at this in the context of our whole schedule. I mean, these were the two Big Ten games, Rutgers and Indiana, especially with how Indiana's season has panned out, that you circled at the beginning of the year and said, like, win-win. You know, these are the ones that going into the season – We felt like we should be a heavy favorite that may have come back to a moderate favorite with how our season has gone, but nonetheless still with that, with that Illinois win last week with that win over Illinois, I should say bowl eligibility is right there. And does that add a little bit more pressure to the team? Maybe, but it feels like things are back on track in a somewhat dampened way, but still. I mean, to get to get to a bowl would be such a monumental feat after the streak. The What was it? A five game
1: losing streak we had. Yeah. Um, and I think the team is playing with that in mind as well. That's not just a fan thing. I think that the team is really rallying around that idea of the postseason is still there for us. Like, that's a big deal
0: yeah to get those i mean the coaches want those practices the players want those swag bags uh the free dukes mayo or i don't know what bowl we go to if we're like a bottom of the barrel big 10 bowl team but um it's and who was
1: i think it was peyton thorn who somebody asked him about it uh, this week and it was like you've got to realize like and and this is always a good reminder around mid-november with any team depending on the circumstances is like you know, these young guys, they're not just thinking like, well, season's over. Like they're thinking, Hey, I want to start next year, which means I got to show out and put my great tape out there. Cause I know coach is going to be watching this tape all off season and trying to figure out by spring who his guys are and who his guys are not. So these young guys are trying to ball out the older guys, you know, they're they're looking for the end of their career. Xavier Henderson's trying to get to the NFL. Like Jacob Slade's trying to get to the NFL. These veteran guys, you know, you might look at some of, let's say, a Jarrett Horst, right? You might look at him as a fan and say well, that's that's not an NFL guy. He doesn't look at it that way. He's trying to put out good tape for the NFL. And so, on top of that kind of individual drive that every team has we're still in it for a bowl game. And that, like you said, that means more practices. That means a fun trip somewhere, hopefully. You might get to the Bahamas. You might get to, you know, like... Fun trip down I-96 to (laughs) Detroit. (laughs) But uh, no, there is still an element of that. And I, I do think that the bowl game is important. So for those fans, if you're still listening to the podcast 48 minutes later, that means you also care about the quest for a bowl game. And I appreciate you. But there are fans out there who do the thing. Where, ah, this season's over, you know. It's that we're not we we don't have our goals in front of us anymore, and that means that, it's like no this this is still. If you're only interested in your team, if if they're a Big Ten championship contender, more often than not, you're gonna have a miserable football season. Like you got to appreciate these things as they come along, and it all goes back to what we talked about, like weeks three, four, five ish, where we started saying you guys, we got to recalibrate here. Those nine win expectations that we had going into the year, just throw those in the garbage and just recalibrate now. And this is where we pay the dividends of that, right? Like in week four, it sucked to do that, but we did it then so that now in mid-November, we can still look at these games and be excited about it. Because if you're still looking at the nine game lens, you're just not going to have a good time.
0: Yeah, I really hope we can look back on this. It felt like that Illinois win turned a corner, you know, for this team. I remember going into that tough part of our schedule and saying like, all right, like buckle in. This is going to be tough, like especially with how this season started. This is going to be a rough few weeks. We pulled out a win against Wisconsin, but that Illinois, especially with what happened in Ann Arbor, to be able to turn the page on that quickly and get an unexpected win out of this season to put our goals right back in front of us. Uh, it just feels great. And anyone who plays sport who played or plays sports knows like, I think fans put a lot more on like the season long expectations and like the what's our final record going to be and everything. Not that the, not that the program doesn't care or doesn't look at that, but there's also an aspect that I think gets lost on fans. The The, the further you get from competitive sports that, they just love playing this sport and yeah. they love playing it well. And they love trying really hard. And I've been on teams that won one out of 20 games, right? Like a baseball team or something. You don't show up at the baseball field. Like, well, I don't really care. Like, it's you know, we stinks. So, like I'm always excited for that next yeah. game. And, and those guys in that locker room, they all feel that way. They're they could have, they could be Oh, nine right now. And they would be psyched to take the field against Rutgers so that's always going to carry them
1: yeah and, and the record is always again like you said that's a good way of putting it the farther away you get removed from being inside of it right football there's only 12 games so you're of course aware of your record and the standings and everything but you know i think back to to when i was playing and there's certain times of the year where like you don't really if somebody just ran up to you and said, hey, what's your record this year so far? You'd be like, "Uh, it's um, uh, six and one, you know, like yeah. you're not really just thinking about
0: practice that day.
1: Yeah, you're not thinking about the big picture every day. And that's what I think as fans, we are constantly looking at the big picture because we don't we don't live in the day to day. We don't go to practice. So we're just thinking about the 12 games and what that means for Mel Tucker's 10 year contract. Whereas Chuck Brantley, just to put a name to it, is thinking about, you know, hey, can I get a couple nice reps on on practice today against Jaden Reed so that you know coach is gonna keep me in a starting position? (laughs) That's these guys aren't thinking about where we line up standings wise in the Big Ten East today. So that, that is a good point. Something we always got to remember. Uh, anything else here? I think, uh, we've, we've kind of given everything we could to, uh, previewing a nice foreign whatever against foreign, whatever football team. <laughs> no,
0: I'm good. I'm uh, this is, I'm in New Jersey, so I can't, uh see the odds on this one. Fun little betting rule oh, that's in New right. Jersey. You can't bet on New Jersey teams or on games taking place
1: in how New many, Jersey. How many This is a quick question for me and for the people. So you are in Jersey. If if you're anywhere in Michigan, you see Michigan hoodies, Michigan State hoodies, Michigan hats, Michigan State hats everywhere. Uh for the New Jersey crowd, how often are you seeing like Rutgers gear around town? Um I don't see like
0: like apparel too often if it's like game day maybe here and there i see honestly more penn state than rutgers where i'm at but i see a lot of um like car magnets that's what i, I do <laughs> for whatever reason like the block r makes it on a, a lot of bumpers uh for some maybe reason that like, makes the so car much sense like, to me it's like one step removed from their ego and their personality they're like i'm not wearing it like I, I won't be seen in a Rutgers hoodie. But I guess I'll I guess I'll let it sneak on my car.
1: When I'm still like anonymous enough in my car with like slightly tinted windows that you can barely get a glimpse of who's actually in the driver's seat and what that guy looks like. <laughs> I'll put it there, but
0: <laughs> that's yeah, hilarious. I
1: I would definitely say Rutger's pride is
0: severely less than what folks are used to from the two big
1: michigan schools it's just i think that's a uh, to be fair to rutgers i think that's a general east coast thing yeah right yeah the state college
0: atmosphere is not what it is in the midwest and big 10 country or in the sec it's just not what they kind of attach their their personalities to and not you know their identities so uh for better or for worse um but yeah i mean they're around and especially when you get obviously down near Piscataway but not too much just like running around New York City or anything
1: yeah I mean Michigan State fans are I would say for a lot of us not all of us but a lot of us we're Michigan State fans and we're Lions fans they are Jets fans and uh, I guess I'll watch Rutgers on Saturday right that's the vibe I get I would say I see as many
0: Michigan and Michigan State fans combined as I see Rutgers fans in fact probably more There's, there's more Michigan fans out here than state for sure. Um, but I see more Michigan, Michigan state fans than I do Rutgers fans in terms
1: of like worn apparel. All right. Well, with the, the local update there, I think we'll wrap it up. I think we covered this from about every angle that we could now. And so I appreciate everybody. If you're still listening, you can go ahead and give us a nice review give us a nice rating spotify apple we don't discriminate we appreciate it either way follow us on social media and we will be back to uh we'll hopefully give you our picks and i know Scott, you've got the in-laws in town so we'll see hopefully we can schedule that out make it work but regardless worst case scenario we'll be back after the game on monday to recap what we saw And uh, start getting into Indiana as well next week. So we are chugging right along here. We're back on our mostly normal schedule. And appreciate everybody for bearing with us. So until next time, hope everybody enjoys. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.